He stabbed it through. Royce is onside. Royce Premiership. Done and dusted for George Burley. Nails bitten to the quick. But elevation now, surely assured. I'm your host as ever and you look at the calendar it may say May 29th 2020 but for the purpose of today's podcast it's May 29th 2000. I am a 19 year old again I've got a ridiculous haircut I've got a shaved head got lines in my eyebrows and I'm looking forward to watching Ipswich Town take on Barnsley down pot black in Bury St Edmunds with my mates who couldn't get tickets. We, uh, we could only just start drinking and we we're certainly going to take advantage of that on this day um, but of course, the man you want to hear from is my partner in crime, Andy Warren Hutch Hogan. Now, Andy, obviously now you're a respectable 30-something-year-old father of one with excellent uh, muscular calves and a hairy back. But back then, <laughs> you, were, you were how old? Uh, I was 13. 13 years old. Very excited, young, young Hutchie. Um, I want to I set the scene before, before we start talking about the match in general and we're going to watch some of the highlights in a minute and you can watch them along with us so may 29th 2000 um tony blair was prime minister of this great country bill clinton was still in charge over in america that that immediately takes you back uh, the top film in the country was gone in 60 seconds a dreadful heist movie featuring i believe vinnie jones uh, and Nicolas Cage, so two of the, the worst actors of all time, combining their, crossing their streams, as it were, he's a, a Ghostbusters reference. And this, Hutchie, was number one. I'm hoping this is going to come across on the audio. Uh, so neat, it feels so good. Let's see if we can get a little blast of this to, to transport you back, my friends. This was a banger. It's not my not my favourite piece of Sonique's work, though, if you're asking. It's not what, sorry? This isn't my favourite Sonique track, if you're asking. I didn't realise she did more than one, I've got to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. You want, ooh, I want to touch the sky, I want to fly so high. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do, mate. Now you're singing it, yeah. Yeah, that, now that, that, that was the true Sonique banger. But, um, yeah, this was this was pretty good. Yeah, so Sonique was, was number one as you as you were heading to, to Wembley, Hutchie. Just just transport me back. So 13-year-old Hutchie's in the car, I assume. Um, who did you go with and, and how were you feeling? What were you wearing? Let the people know. Transport the people back because that's what I really want to do. Um, when I was 13, I, I think I was exclusively wearing an orange Deodora T-shirt with matching kind of navy trackies with uh orange stripes down the side but on this day i'd dispense with that i was wearing my Ipswich shirt of course um whenever i've gone to football i've always gone with my dad and my brother yeah. so um went with went with them but um my mum came as well who um has has attended plenty of football matches over the years and i think she actually enjoyed this as more than more than the rest of us 
on this particular day. But yeah, we drove down, um, parked in the massive car park that was there at Wembley at the time, which I think is now not, it's not really there anymore because um, that area of London is so, so big now. Um, but yeah, drove down um, and just just remember as soon as, as soon as getting there, People were, there was just blue and red everywhere, which is why I think this match is particularly perfect because it's, it's blue v red. Mm. Um, both goalkeepers wearing green. That is that is how football should be. And that is how it looked outside the ground. It was just a sea of blue and red walking up Wembley Way. Um, yeah, all very exciting, but but really nervous because this wasn't kind of a, this wasn't a given. Um, there's a lot of a lot of pain um, associated with the playoffs for Ipswich. Three failed attempts in previous years in the semi-finals hadn't made the final before, um, so a big step had been taken. But just so nervous, so nervous. Yeah, that's that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Because for most football fans, I guess they go to a game like this. Kind of, it's the hope that kills you, isn't it? And you don't really be too hopeful. I think. You mostly, you, you override emotion. He's always nerves on on these sort of occasions, isn't it? Um, was this the first time you'd gone to Wembley, Hutchie? Um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, my one and only visit to to the old Wembley. Just talking. Um, I remember going to Wembley. I'd been to Wembley to watch a playoff final in '91. John Beck's Cambridge United playing Chesterfield. Um, Beyond Dublin scored the winner because um, I lived uh, near Cambridge at the time. And I remember. As a youngster, so I was two years younger than you at the time, and you were here, um, walking up Wembley Way, seeing the Twin Towers, getting into the stadium, was almost like enough for me. I remember when the players started walking out, I was like, oh yeah, there's a game to play as well, this is unbelievable, I get to watch a game of football as well. Was it the same kind of feeling for you, that, that, that kind of the special feeling of Wembley? Yeah, you, right. you made sure you did all the all the bits. Like Wembley Way, we actually, the car park where so many people would have parked was... Yeah was you didn't really you didn't need to go down Wembley way to get to Wembley but I remember we walked all the way back to the the top of it kind of where the where the tube station is now and walked just did as much of that as possible walking up to the the towers and then we we went into the ground incredibly early like I can remember I think there's a I don't know where it is now but there's a book of I've got a book of of photos that I took that day my mum and dad bought me a Disposable camera, which yeah. um, which in those days was was like something that kids loved, and I I burnt through all of my pictures really quickly. I've got loads of pictures. I, I we were in the ground when the players were out on the pitch in their suits, kind of having a little nosy around. We were already in the ground by that point, and so many other people were as well. It was loads of people in there really early, um, um, and I remember. I remember me and my brother um, had a picture taken with Russell Osman that day, who was kind of near us. Um, yeah. I didn't really know who he was at 13. I wouldn't have recognised him. I knew the name, but I wouldn't have recognised him. But my dad pointed him out and got a photo. And yeah, that photo still exists somewhere. I haven't seen it for a long time. But I, what I do remember is desperately, desperately in need of a haircut um, back then. Uh, my hair was ridiculous. <laughs> billowing out at the sides it was more permy than it is now 
So just just setting the scene, you're in the ground, you're taking multiple pictures on your disposable camera, which I bet when they're developed were all useless. Appalling. Just, Appalling yeah. photography. They always are, aren't they? Just at the time before digital cameras. I, I reckon probably a lot of people who listen to this podcast can't remember that, but they, they were hard times indeed. <laughs> um, and you were saying before we started recording that you vividly remember two songs playing in the stadium before the game. So I'm going to give people just a little flavour because people who are there, I'm sure, have these same memories. So hopefully this will transport you back. This is the first, um, and I'd, I'd kind of put this out of my mind, but as soon as you sent me the link, I immediately remember every single note of it. So uh, this is this is the first one. That's enough of that, Hutchie. But that was that was pumping out before kickoff, was it? I think I think that was going round on loop, like uh, for an appalling length of time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it yeah vividly remember that one in particular, vividly going round and round and round, um, before kickoff. That's the sort of thing they use now in like SAS when they capture someone and, and are training them to, to withstand torture techniques. And they, they whack the white noise in the, in the headphones. Hey, baby, like DJ Otzi could, could easily send the man mad. Um, and this is the other one you remember playing. This is this is slightly better, I must say, but still quite irritating. I'll just, I'll just give a little whack to the people. Also irritating, Hutchie, very much yeah, of its yeah. time. So were they just basically just rotating these songs on loop through game? It felt like it. Um, yeah. They probably weren't, but it did feel like it. I do, I do remember the, um, the Ipswich's PA announcer, who's still doing it now, and got to say he's one of the one of the best in the business. Rob Chandler got a little bit of uh, airtime and did the old uh, singing the blues classics and all all of that. I think the Barnsley equivalent did as well in the build up. Um, so there was some partisan stuff as well, but my vivid memory is DJ Otzi, and it, it's a hideous piece of music, but it's, it's ingrained. Yeah. So before we, we're going to start playing some highlights in a minute and watching them talking over them. So just before we get to that, Hutchie, you're you're in your seat. It's it's approaching three o'clock. The players have walked out. It's about to kick off. How are you feeling? Are you feeling this is this is the day we do it? We're going to win this game, or are you feeling oh god? This is all going to go wrong. I honestly can't remember. I think I was just blown away at kickoff time because when the teams came out, there was this massive fireworks, like cannon and cannons and stuff going off. That the smoke was 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 massive, kind of coming off it, and the fireworks were really quite dramatic. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, having spoken to a like most of the players from that game over the course of the last six months or so. Um, they don't. They didn't even know those had happened because of where they were down the tunnel. But I think those fireworks just really kind of got me excited. So even if I was nervous, 
I think I was probably feeling more excited by this point because of because of that and having been in there so long. So here we go then. We're going to play some highlights. Um, it's a 17 minute, 12 second highlight. We're going to put the link in the, the description of this podcast. You can watch it along with us. There's going to be some ambient noise in the background, obviously the commentary and stuff. Hopefully that will add to it. It's a bit rough and ready. But hey, this is the King's Radio podcast. What more would you expect? So Hutch, are you ready? I'm going to press play. And you can press play at home. I'm pressing play now. So here we go. As you say, it's a sea of red and blue. We see the fans, all the flags. Did you have one of those wigs, Hutchie? The blue and white wigs? I didn't have a wig. Um, what did I have? My, my brother had a flag. Uh, what did I have? I had something. My brother definitely had a flag, which I've managed to find recently and have a look at. And here we go, we see the Barnsley lineup. Hutchie, I'm just going to pause on the Barnsley lineup now. Um, so, looking at that lineup, Hutchie, who, who in the Barnsley team were you fearing before the game? Was there anyone you were fearing? Obviously, Craig Hignett was uh, someone. Yeah, yeah. Player. yeah, it was all it was all about Craig Hignett. He was their he was their star player. He he would he was a player that really would have fitted into to Burley's Ipswich teams. Yeah, um, he was a really good player and Shipley up front as well. Um, was a good goal scorer mm. and Dyer, Bruce Dyer. Um, but it was all it was all about Craig Hignett, really. Yeah, and of course he would go on to make an impact on the game, which we'll get on to in a minute. I'm also right in saying, Hutchie, before we hit play again, this was the last club game at Wembley. Before? Yeah. Because it obviously Wembley was um, was knocked down after this, and New Wembley was eventually built. Uh, this was the last club game. There was an England game, wasn't there? Have I, have I made that up after this? Yeah. Was it England? England played Germany. That's Kevin, Kevin Keegan was the manager in England. Did they lose? They lost, didn't they? That's when the ball slipped underneath uh, David Seaman. And, and didn't yeah. Keegan resign afterwards? Yeah, I think so. That was it. So it was eventful. <laughs> anyway, back to this game. So I'm about to press play again. Off we go. So that's the Barnsley lineup. I'll tell you what, Hutchie, the old Wembley was a, really a sight to behold, wasn't it? Just looking at it now, that brings back so many memories. And here's the Ipswich Town team. Right, hitting pause again. Because I want to go through this team with you, Hutchie. I want to I want to read out the names and I want you to tell me what the first thing you think of when you hear the names. So in goal, Richard Wright. England, England. number one. Uh, back three, McGreal, first of all. I really like John McGreal. He was um he was a really good signing at the start of this season. Um maybe maybe a little underrated, but Proper, solid, and and good on the ball as well. Uh, next of all was, was was Tony Mowbray. Yeah, what a man! Um, a rock. And then you've got Venus to complete the back three as well. Sweet, sweet left foot, rocket of a shot. Um, yeah, he he was class. The two either side of Mowbray there, I think, were maybe both a little underrated. Yeah. Um, yeah. But both really good players. Three at the back. It's quite quite revolutionary. This. That's what people are trying to do now. Yeah, and then the, the four in front of them. You've got Croft first of all. Croft. I think this was the the one kind of selection toss up because you've got Fabian Wilness who could have played there at the wing back position, but I think Croft got the nod in this one. It's, it's a safe safe pair of hands. I call him. And obviously you've got the magic man just come off. One of his finest performances in Ipswich Town history, Jim McGilton. Yep, yep. He 
his big moment had already had already come. Um, yeah. yeah, he was a, a driving force in this team. Jammer Wright, Jermaine Wright. Another one horribly underrated. Um, I think he he would be he would be the best player in the current Ipswich Town squad by a country mile if he was in there now. I don't think he ever quite got the got the the praise he deserved. But he was class on the ball. Um, liked to open things up a little bit. And this was only his first season at Ipswich, but he went on to have a really good career. Then next to him, Jamie Clapham. Jamie Clapham. And he's another another safe pair of hands who he, he never let Ipswich down. He good left foot, could get up and down all day. Um really understated but but really good football player. Mm-hmm. And in front of them is your man, the skipper, of course, Matt Holland. Yeah, seeing seeing Matt Holland kind of lining up as a number ten here. Yeah. Is a maybe a little bit unusual, but Matt, Matt's, Matt could do could do everything on a football pitch to a a good a really good level. He wasn't the quickest. He wasn't he wasn't the sharpest in the tackle. He wasn't um, he wasn't the best finisher. But he could do them all to a really good level. Um, a complete player, um, really, and. Just he just did the little things well and was really neat and tidy and and um was a really really good player to watch a good captain as well. And obviously the two up top, yeah, David Johnson, who's the pound leading scorer this season. I think he had was it twenty three goals he got. Yeah, he'd obviously got hurt, hadn't he, in, in the semi final. What what can you remember thinking about about Johnson going into this game? Um, he felt like he needed to play. He had his hair dyed blue. For this game, extra point, um, which uh, which looked great. Um, Johnson and Stewart hadn't ever particularly kind of hit it off as a pair necessarily, um, but both really really good footballers. And Johnson playing, particularly with Scowcroft not playing, um, Johnson needed needed to play from the start. But obviously, it didn't didn't work out um, didn't work out great for him. Uh-huh. We'll get onto that obviously as, as a game develops, and then obviously next to him, Marcus Stewart. Yeah, yeah. The first leg of the semi-final was his, is his uh, finest hour to it as an Ipswich player before before this game. But um, yeah, his, his movement was really good and good finisher, good left foot, decent in the air. Um, not necessarily up against massive centre backs, but kind of when when he had the chance to finish with his head was decent, as he went on to show in this game. But just look at that team. There's it's an absolutely class team, and it's, it's just a bit sad comparing it to to now in many ways. But that's a team full of leaders. If you look, just look at it. Richard Richard Wright, top goalkeeping coach at Man City. The back three: McGreal, Mowbray, Venus. You have got two managers in there in McGreal and Mowbray, and a long time assistant in Venus. Mm-hmm. Jim Adilton obviously managed Ipswich. Jamie Clapham's coached. Um, Marcus Stewart has been an assistant manager for a long, long time. Um, it's just full of leaders, full of it. And even the, the, the captain, Matt Holland, is perhaps the surprise who's never gone into coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just a team full of full of really good characters and leaders, um, which kind of the current crop are really, really lacking. Yeah. 
So they're about to have one of their finest days up. So I'm going to hit play again and we can let the good times roll. Here we go. I'm hitting play now. Even on the bench, though, with Wilness and, and Royce, obviously, Bam Bam on the bench as well. Yeah. 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 They would have a real impact in this game. Yeah. We didn't know that at this point. And that was. No. Uh, I think this is interesting. We're watching the ITV version of this game, aren't we? Um, yeah. Which I think were the highlights rather than the game being broadcast live. I think it was broadcast live on Sky. I was definitely on Sky, yeah. So, but these are the these are the commentary moments that people remember because because um, kind of this is what you were watching when you got home. This is what you watched back. And see straight away, right from kickoff, we see Johnson's hair, and he's immediately gone charging, chasing a long ball, and he's he's gone over the the Barnsley keeper. Then looks like he's jarred his shoulder again. It's a shoulder injury, wasn't it? That he was carrying before the game. Yeah, it was a shoulder injury. He suffered that at um, Bolton in the first leg, but it was a, it was a calf injury that that forced him off in the end. But that certainly didn't help. We're getting some of the old VCR interference here actually that takes you back as well was this you have you have you taped this and used your vcr player that you, <laughs> you talked about on the last episode this is the sort of thing now then is this yes it is oh no what a goal that was oh richard for those of you not watching just listening craig Higney has just unleashed a 35 yard thunderbolt which has come back off the crossbar and hit poor old richard right on the back and put barnsley ahead actually Mm. you're fearing I was right in line with this sort of I was on the edge of the penalty area I think kind of on the side where the royal box was and you saw this go in and there's been so much playoff heartbreak in the past that you see this go in and you're thinking oh for goodness sake this was only six minutes in you wonder if Richard Wright actually knew anything about that going back on well you couldn't yeah you can't there's nothing you could do about it obviously no no, you just see John McGreal there running back with his hands on his head, just and that's how everybody else was feeling. Yeah. Just, oh no. So that was about that was what six minutes in, wasn't it? Yeah. You see Burley there on the sideline, pointing the way. So Town officially gone down as a Richard Wright own goal, that goal. So Town have a have a bit of a mountain to climb early doors. Still plenty of time, of course, actually in town here on the attack. Shot goes in from Clapham wide of the post. But what, so you were thinking, oh, here we go. Here we go. This is the change. David Johnson coming off. You say calf injury. Bam, bam, Naylor's coming on. So when you saw David Johnson go off, actually, was that like another blow? Did you feel like, oh, here we go. It's all going wrong. Yeah, it's not looking great at this point. Yeah. Um, it's really not looking particularly particularly good at this point. Richard Naylor was a good a good player, but he hadn't he hadn't started a game for like two months. Before this, I think he had some back problems of his own. So yeah. you're kind of thinking, oh, we've conceded this horrible goal, one nil down, and now sort of the biggest goal threat isn't on the pitch anymore. And there's Barnsley just coming really close again. Was that Hignett again? It was, wasn't yeah. it? Oh, yeah, he was at the centre of everything. Literally just flashed this across. That was, was right get touched now. Very close. So everything's going Barnsley's way at this point, Hutchie. Yeah. Yeah, you were fearing the worst at this point. 
Town now on the attack. There's a shot from Holland. I think he was. I think Matt Holland was appealing for a penalty there for handball, but yeah, you're not getting anything out of that. Here's Marcus Stewart. And this is the corner, isn't it? Ipswich could score from corners in these days. <laughs> As you say, I've forgotten how to do. This is the. Uh, I think that would have been a harsh penalty, Hutchie, I've got to say. Jim Magilton on corners. Oh. Here it comes. Here it comes. Magilton. Oh, hey. A towering header. Boom. <laughs> Can you remember? I mean, I assume you were just limbs, as they would say nowadays, Hutchie. I've got no memory of any of... Like, I don't have any memories of these moments, but... I can imagine just. I can remember Royce's goal at the end. That's the only one that I can actually vividly remember. But I can just fully imagine that this. You suddenly start right. Here we go. Then it's it's kind of it's nil nil again. Let let's let let's win. But yeah, what a header! What but, a cross as well. Put that yeah. right on his head. Yeah. That towering header. The very definition of towering header. Yeah. That. Look in the dictionary, there's a picture of Mowbray banging that home. There's Burley on the sideline, jumping up and down. Town fans obviously going crazy. Were you wearing a, the blue shirt, Hutchie, on this day? Yeah. Yeah, I was wearing the blue one. Oh, Richard, no, don't do it, Richard. Oh. So Town have just got back level, and there's a penalty given against them. We're going to hopefully see a replay of it. But Jilton's not a happy camper. Richard, He, he is not happy. No. <laughs> Here we go, here's the replay, Hutchie. So, yeah. Is that Hignett again? Yeah, it's Hignett again. Wow, he's everywhere, wasn't he? Yeah. So, knocked the ball past right, and that, that's a, that is a stonewall penalty, Hutchie. Yeah, yeah. You saw Richard Wright kind of was mouthing to the referee, I didn't touch him, I didn't touch him. But um, in his post-match interview, which I watched the other day, he, uh, yeah, he, he knew that he it was kind of a, he had touched him and it was a, a call the referee kind of had to make, but this was a this was a massive moment. This was because this wasn't too long before half time. I think the playoffs and uh, have skipped ahead, and crucially, Hignett didn't take this penalty. Um, that's Darren Barnard. Uh, I wonder if Craig Hignett had taken this penalty, if things would have worked out very differently. There he goes, Barnard saved by right down low to his right. A massive moment. You hear the roar from town fans. And maybe the first indication, Hutchie, that things this might actually be town's day, perhaps. You're starting to... Yeah, it's building now from the kind of despair of the start of it to to where this is at now is a very big change of mood. So we skip forward from here to the second half. McGillan's about to whip in another corner. Mowbray's indicating he wants it again, of course. He, fan- he fancies it. Another great, great ball from Jordan. I don't remember it. I haven't seen this part of the game for quite some time. What? So Holland's just gone close from the edge of the box. Oh, and we just skipped straight. <laughs> 
straight to Naylor's goal. There you go. Good editing. <laughs> so Naylor's got his shirt off, showing the guns, the very, the very white skin. <laughs> yeah, very Surely now you're thinking this is our, this is ours for the, the taking, isn't it? Uh, yeah. If you'd kind of been there through the the playoff losses, you kind of know better than to get too cocky at this stage. But you're starting to think it's a long ball from Richard Wright, flicked on by Marcus Stewart. Yeah. And uh, and then a little dink finish. What a, what a great little finish. That's a, a, a proper good finish. That is on the stretch as well, just to dink it past the onrushing keeper. Fantastic finish from Layla. What must that feeling be like to to score a goal at, at Wembley in a game as big as this? What must that feeling be like? Well, indescribable, I'd imagine. Only those who've done it will know. But yeah, that that feeling must be tremendous. So Barnsley now two one down, looking to again is that that man ignorant from a fullest but no out of on the ball back. He was literally at the centre of everything for them. He, I yeah. do, I do wonder if he had taken that penalty if this would have worked out really differently. The town on the attack again, Naylor down the left-hand side of the pitch. Oh, we've, we've had some interference. <laughs> I should, maybe should have watched this before we click play, but there's some some bad video interference. I think Jammer Wright's just gone close. We see Here we go. Oh no, there's a goal. <laughs> There's definitely some interesting editing at, at play with this. <laughs> <laughs> so Town have just gone 3-1 up. Marcus Stewart header. Cross from the uh, from the left, Richard Naylor. And it's Clap, Clapham, Clapham with the cross. Oh, sorry. Clapham. It was Naylor before, I think, before the interesting editing happened. Um, so 3-1 up, Hutchie. I mean, now you must have been feeling a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is where everyone started to feel... That bit more, that bit more comfortable with it. Um, yeah, Naylor plucking that down out of the sky from a long, a long Venus bomb. Beautiful layoff, great cross, and that's typical Marcus Stewart. Like everybody that I've spoken to during the course of kind of getting some memories together for this this anniversary has talked about that just being the epitome of what what Marcus did in terms of movement. There were three movements in there that kind of got him away from the defender. Um, yeah. And it just, and then a perfect header into the far corner. It's, yeah, beautiful, beautiful goal. And just as you're talking, Barnsley have gone close with an overhead kick from Dyer and another shot just flashed wide. So obviously Barnsley was still in the game. It was never, probably never felt safe even at 3-1 because they're clearly getting the, the chances still going forward, Hutchie. no. Very much so. They were, um, they had a really long spell of pressure, if I remember. I think it was probably after their second goal. Um, but yeah, it certainly wasn't a comfortable play the clock out of three one job. This was um, still very, very much at play. Mm. But yeah, you were you were definitely starting to feel more, more comfortable. And commentary just saying that Town looked like a Premier League side on this showing, which is, uh, of course, what they go on to be and finish fifth the next season, shocking the country. Matt Holland was wearing a captain's armband with a Premier League logo on it. Was he? Yeah. That's good knowledge. 
How did you uh, how did you come by that bit of knowledge, Hutchie? I well, I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> and here's a second penalty for Barnsley then. Hope you get to see this on replay. It's definitely a penalty, I'm afraid. That's Jeff Thomas there. Oh yeah, so it is. Uh, my brain's just yeah. That's a definite penalty, actually. Again. Yeah. It's kind of a penalty that a 36-year-old man might give away. As he gets a bit tired towards the end of the game. Yeah. yeah. So second penalty. This one is going to be taken by Hignett. Running up now. Lovely penalty. Three to, as you say, Hutchie, had he taken that first one, you'd have to have backed him to score, wouldn't you? And that could have completely changed yeah, the yeah. entire complexion of the game. Yeah, he was a really good player. I, I know we banked, we've probably talked more about Craig Hignett in this than any of the Ipswich players. Yeah. But um, he was a really good player. Look at that pitch as well, churning up. You wouldn't see it these days at Wembley. It is badly churning up, actually. Look at yeah, it. I think they'd have played the, the second and third division ones already. And this is kind of day day three of a bonanza. Yeah. I think that's strange. They play the, the kind of lower ones first. So you have yeah. the, the worst pit. Oh, that's an amazing well, save from right. Yeah. I've totally that, that save. That was massive, that save. Absolutely massive. Georgie Christoph. It looks even better from this angle as well. Wow. He was absolute class, Richard Wright. He um, clear, was clearly the best goalkeeper outside the Premier League. But a few a few days later, he was making his England debut. We've got Martin Royster on the pitch now. He wants a penalty here. Not a penalty. But just going back to I mean, that was a world-class save from Richard Wright. Incredible stuff. And we get to yeah. Uh, Royster's probably made a bit much of that, actually. There was definitely contact. Yeah, there was something there. Something there. Didn't need it in the end, though, did they? We're seeing the fans now, a few of them biting their fingers. Amazing it would be if you suddenly cropped up on the... on the. <laughs> and this is it. Royce is through. What a finish. It was the perfect, the perfect man to, to score that and milk it as much as it was necessary. Like, they'll show him in a minute, just standing there, just kind of... Letting the letting the praise just fall on him, and they look at him. The perfect man to lap up. Yeah. What, what was the winning moment? Royster would eat himself. He was chocolate, wouldn't he? Yeah. There we go, actually. And then we see the the classic crying fan shot now. Barnsley fans, hands on head, tears coming. You must have known now, actually. This was yeah. This was it. You were Premier League. Yeah, you know now because this was this was in the 90th minute. So two goals up, 90th minute. I think there were five or six minutes of added time still to be played, but even then, you you know, you know the job's done. That is an unbelievable finish from Royster, given the yeah. pressure he felt. Yeah, well, he scored he scored the the clincher in the semi final with his left foot, and yeah. then that one with his right, just a rocket. Rocket into the back of the net. Final seconds. And there we go. The final whistle. Burley arms aloft. Town are back in the Premier League. And Hutchie, what are you feeling at this moment? I think for so many people, this would have just felt like everything at yeah. this moment. Just 
honestly, this is like teams get promoted every season, but teams don't get promoted every season when they've been building for four for four years worth of kind of pain to get to this point. That 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 isn't how every team goes up this season. Like, yeah, it, the pain of what went before and the building process of what mate came before just made it even more even more sweet sweeter than it was. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm kind of a bit sad that my actual memories of the game aren't readily available anymore necessarily, but the, the feelings kind of are. Yeah. Um, I've got more memories of kind of before and after the game than, than of during it. And I guess that's just points to how stressful um, and, and far. I do remember it going incredibly fast. Just the game just whizzed by. That sometimes you can be sat in football grounds, particularly in recent years at Portman Road, where it, it actually feels like the game has taken forever. And like I turn to Stu sometimes and we both look at each other and we're how has this game only been going on for 26 minutes? But but that game at Wembley just absolutely flew by. You forget as well, actually, how good of a game it was. I mean... I think I've, I've said before I was watching it at Pot Black in Bray St Edmunds um, with my a lot all my fans all my uh, friends were Bishop Town fans obviously a lot of them have gone um, but for those who hadn't we went to watch it it was, it was absolutely rammed in there um, and as a neutral which I wasn't at the time I was obviously a, a Derby County fan although having lived in the, the county for a number of years by that point I was obviously rooting for Ipswich but it was just a really really good game to watch as well it was yeah. it, it was a it was a great game of football wasn't it. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think that gets overlooked a little bit as well because of how quite how good the second leg of the semi-final is. Yeah, like, yeah. If that had been like a a two-one win for Ipswich in the semi-final, you'd be talking about the game at Wembley as being like the greatest, one of the greatest matches in in a generation. Yeah, but but the the Bolton game comes up ahead of that. But yeah, it had everything, didn't it? it what it didn't have is a team completely losing their heads and getting 12 bookings and two red cards like Bolton did. But you've got two penalties in there. You've got injury, heartbreak. You've got up. You've got an early goal. Come teams coming from behind. You've got a 90th minute clincher. You've got you've got everything in there. And it was a baking hot day as well. It was so hot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was uh, had everything. The highlights are finished now, obviously you'll probably be able to hear that in the background that they've finished. But just before um they did finish, you saw a shot of Kieran Dyer in the stands wearing his England top and clapping along. Obviously, Dyer was a was a key part of, of building that side really, Hutchie. He 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 departed the previous summer, but nice to see him there for the denouement of it all. The yeah, combination yeah. of town getting to the Premier League and obviously he had a, a huge part to play in that. Yeah, definitely. He was on. He was with the England squad at the time, and I think Kevin Keegan allowed him allowed him out to go and watch. So he was sat there in his England tracksuit, um, watching. Um, Ipswich boy, big Ipswich fan, would have would have been so happy to have watched the team get promoted, and maybe a little bit jealous as well. Obviously, he'd got his big move to Newcastle, and and that fee, which brought in five of the five of the players that that played in the final ultimately but there would have been a little part of him even though he'd gone on to bigger and better things and was on his way to becoming a 
um, established England player, there'd have been a small part of him that would have thought, you know what, I'd have loved to be part of that. Yeah. But um, no, they they would meet again the following year. That that obviously promotion that meant that he'd be playing against Ipswich for the first time, which um, would have been an interesting experience for him. Absolutely. And and just watching that again, actually, I've, I've obviously um, forgotten certainly that that right save in the second half, and we talked about the Hickner penalty miss. Who? We talked about Higna a lot, obviously, because he was clearly Barnsley's standout player on that day. Can you remember who, who stood out for you for town on that day most? Was there one you could pick? Um, well, I think Mowbray got the um, got the official man of the match, but for me it was Naylor. It had, it had to be Naylor because, because he came on in those circumstances and was involved in three of the goals. Um, obviously scored the second brought the ball down out of the sky for the third and then uh, stabbed the ball on for Royce for the fourth. Um, mm. To come on like that, as you know, he he always, he always never let him switch down Richard Naylor, be that as a striker or a, or a defender in his later years. But he was never the front-line man. Like Every summer, a new striker would be signed and you'd think, well, Naylor's just been pushed even further to the periphery here, which obviously happened again this season with Stewart coming in. Yeah, but yeah. every... He he would he would hang around and uh, he'd always be around and this was his this was his greatest day and uh, yeah for me he has to go down as the as the game changer really yeah what a day it was I, I want to we asked for some some memories from the KOA army we've had quite a few in so I just want to read a couple of them actually just so we can include people Chris Miles says the 29th is my birthday. So I got to experience the best 13th birthday ever. I remember the journey home driving under all the bridges with flags and banners on them. I also remember standing in the stadium before kickoff and looking around at the sea of blue and white against a wall of red. I can remember feeling 100% convinced that we'd win the game. Brackets youthful optimism. The idea of losing the final after getting that far never crossed my mind. Certainly it would have crossed the mind of several other town fans. George Lee says I was one at the time. But my nan had it on tape from somewhere. From about four to ten years old, I watched it every week. No idea where the tape is now, unfortunately, but an amazing game. And our friends from Denmark, Kimor Sorensen, my father was a big fan of Ipswich. Uh, he was on the phone to my aunt Larke, I think you pronounce that, who lived near Barnsley when the match happened, shouting, Bedster Dag, not I can't, Nogsende. I'm sorry, Kimor, I'm, I'm murdering Danish there, I apologise. Which means best day ever to her. I saw this game a few months later on Danish TV. Uh, both uh, uh, his father and his aunt have both sadly passed now, but fond memories of the day. He was only three, but I still remember it. Chris Bennett. I was living in Aberdeen at the time. My dad and I were in hospitality for it. It was a three-course meal beforehand in view of the pitch. And the majority of hospitality were town fans. I remember thinking Richard Wright would definitely save the first penalty. I just knew it would be our day. So, some confident fans there, Hutchie. Yeah, I, I don't think I was necessarily feeling that that confident from memory. Yeah, maybe it's the benefit of hindsight. Um, Andy, yeah. Andy Grimes says, my mate got married in Athens the day before. I managed to get a flight back at 4am, so I arrived at Wembley not having slept at all. The game was a glorious blur and some tears were shed. <laughs> Classic. Thomas mm. says, I was only five. I can still remember the day. We didn't go to Wembley, but I remember going to one of Dad's friends and watching it there. I remember being so happy and excited afterwards. Um, and he then sent us a picture of the shirt 
the retro shirt that he's got now, which he would have worn on the day. Daniel Hill, it was just the best time to be a town fan. Nine at the time, I've never been so excited in my, in my life. The day itself was incredible. So hot at Wembley. I wasn't nervous, just excited probably due to my age. And again, he shares a picture of him uh, with his brother Dale and the trophy at the Suffolk show a couple of days later. Um, let's get a few more here because they're good. Jamie Carpenter, I drove down to Stanmore Station, parked on a grass verge as all the car parks were full. It was a great experience watching town win at Wembley. I got back to the car to find everyone on parking tickets. The best £30 fine I've ever spent. <laughs> and Nigel D, our very own friend of the show, some great pictures with this, which I have um, I'll retweet, I think, from the, uh, the Kings of Anger account. Got a big smile on my face thinking of the day. He's got a picture of him with his face painted white and blue with the, the, uh, the horse in white on his forehead. Even Jamie Gooding was dressed for it, age six months. My second ever trip to Wembley, but so good seeing your own team there. After the heartbreak of all the semi-final defeats, winning the final was even sweeter. Don't think I stopped singing from the time we got into the stadium. With no voice left for days afterwards. I was great to see in line with where Royce let rip for the final goal. And it was great seeing lots of town fans on the bridges as the coaches got close to it, which Matt Thomas says he had to watch it at a pub in Colchester, rushed into town, anywhere he could find, watched the game, absolutely buzzed, got back to find a parking ticket on my car, totally worth the fine. So a theme emerging there, actually. Fine, mate. Yeah. Martin Dye says, I remember the bridges on the way home. <clears throat> Lads in one van in front of our coach got out and started dancing. And the final couple, um, Sean Cassie, just has a, a couple of pictures he shared. One of the, of the general view and him, arms aloft, screaming loud uh, after the final whistle. Uh, it, he says, a great day out. The feeling after Royce's score was pure elation and relief. Um, I think that brings us to the end of the ball memory. John, I one more. Ed Barker went on a bus to and from the Whitehorse pub in Finningham. Stayed there long into the night. Spray, hate, spray painted my hair blue and went to the school next day with it in still. But got sent home to remove it ASAP. Come on, teachers. The ones <laughs> that that. No, no, no fun there. So lots of happy memories, lots of fines, lots of people on bridges as as people got back towards Ipswich celebrating the win. Hutchie, can you remember what you did that evening? Yep. Um, so we, we drove home and like so many other people have said, sort of drove under all the bridges on the A12 as you got to Colchester, there were people with flags and things like that. And then when you got back into town, people were just on the streets in town, like with horns. And we ended up doing like two or three laps of the town centre, just kind of enjoying that. That's what we that's what we did that, that evening on the way home. Outstanding. And uh what now, 20 years later, we fast forward now to present day Hutchie, not 13-year-old Hutchie. What, what are your overriding thoughts and memories from the day, just as a, as a way of wrapping things up? Just how, just how special that time was for the football club. Like That was 20, 20 years after the, um, the UEFA Cup success and, and Sir Bobby Robson's time and that the success was coming again. Um, and then, then you just have to also include what happened next in the following season in all of that. Um, I've been very fortunate recently to spend a fair amount of time with a, a large amount of members of this of this team and George himself for um, something we were hoping to to have put out today, but uh, sadly couldn't. We've, we've been making a film um, kind of celebrating this achievement and everything that happened around the Wembley side. So 
spent time with George and um, Matt Holland, Tony Mowbray, Mark Venus, Scoey, David Johnson. Um, sadly, coronavirus got in the way of um, away of that, and uh, we've not been able to complete it. But we will, we will one day. But spending time with those guys, it's just clear how special this period of their lives were as well, and how this game and winning it changed their lives. And um, while it may not have changed sort of supporters' lives in, in quite the same way, uh, anyone that was there that day, I'm sure, holds this as one of the one of the best one of the best days of their lives. It, it was mm. it, it was that it was that special. That's the perfect way to end it, Hutchie. So I hope you've enjoyed reliving Town's playoff final win all those years ago with us. Twenty years ago, it, it seems like a lifetime ago now compared to where the club are. But we'll brush that aside for now. Because now is the time to remember and to celebrate. So whatever, you, whatever you're doing, do to mark this. I'm sure some of you are raising a glass. Enjoy yourself. Have a great time. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this. Ipswich Town were Premier League finally 20 years ago today. I'll speak to you next time. Well done. That was good. But you can't